Well, everybody, my name's Chip Pryor. I am so excited to be speaking with you today, and you are in for a treat because whenever we finish up a series, it's always a good way to, it's a good time to be at church when we're finishing up a series. So this is the last week of our guardrail series, and we've been talking for the last couple weeks about how to put guardrails in your life, intentionally do some things in your life that are gonna keep you from disaster. Uh, things that are gonna make you better at life and make your life better, so that's awesome. And today I'm gonna give you the most practical guardrail of all. So if you implement it in, this, in your life, um, I believe it's the key to unlocking the, the joy in your Christian experience. It's gonna make you better at life, it's gonna make your life better, so it's a little tease. Um, it's easy to make fun of people, like that, um, but at least they're trying, you know? I gotta give them some props for that. Um, I'm not one to make fun of people, but I can't help myself um, because I make fun of a certain type of guy primarily. There are some women that do deal with this, but at the gym, there's um, a certain type of guy. And I, I feel bad about this because it's a disease that this guy suffers from. It's called ILS. You ever heard about it? It's called imaginary lat syndrome. So I'll show you what it looks like. It's just, it looks like this. You know, and just, just kind of walking around, you know, and I'd hate to tell this guy, like, I know you're working out and you look really swollen and big and all that kind of stuff, but you have, you have no lats. Your lats aren't causing your, your arms to do that, you know, and so I just, I make fun of people that, that do that because it's, it's imaginary, but you know what, at least they're trying, right? Um, okay, show of hands, okay, have you ever, well, not yet, okay, have you ever purchased a piece of exercise or fitness equipment. So it could be something big like a, like a Nordic track or a you know, Stairmaster or a treadmill or like something small like a shake weight or a Thighmaster. So ra raise your hand if you've ever just purchased any of that. Okay, so like most of us, okay? Um, I'm gonna keep my hand raised because I got another question for you. How many of you have ever used said fitness equipment for, let's say, hanging clothing on? Yeah, a lot of hands went up. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, there is a, like a disconnect. And a lot of times we get a, a treadmill or a Nordic track or something like this, and we think, okay, if I just get on this for a week, I'm going to turn into the rock, you know, or, you know, I'm going to be able to run like 20 miles in this thing, and you do it for a week, and you're like, this was a really, really bad idea. This was a poor investment. And that's why you should never buy any of this stuff used, because, or any of it new, because you can always find it used, and it has that sort of you know, only used a week, only it's very gently used. And so there's lots of exercise equipment that's on, you know, Facebook and Craigslist that's gently used. And so we, we've all probably done this. We've all sort of had a disconnect of believing something and doing something. And um, there is, a, you know, a disconnect between, or a difference between believing something and doing something, right? We all understand this in our health, right? It's, it's not enough to just purchase the equipment. It's not enough to get the gym membership. We have to like do something with it. We actually have to exercise on the exercise equipment, right? So we know that um, is true in, in health and in almost our relationships and almost every area of our life that just believing something and just saying something isn't enough. And so that's kind of where the rubber meets the road with that. Now the thing about Christians, okay, we're often called believers, right? I'm a believer in Jesus, a believer in Christ, and so, but sometimes there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and what we actually do, or maybe what we don't do. Um, you know, if you're a Christian, sometimes we, we don't forgive, sometimes we don't love our enemies, we don't get baptized, we, we don't give any money, uh, we put uh, ourselves first before others. And so again, there's that disconnect between what we say we believe and what we actually do 
or don't do. Now, um, one of the things I love about Velocity is that we've never asked you or told you to believe anything. I don't know if you know that or not, but what we have challenged you to do is to act on your beliefs. We, that's why if you walk out in our lobby, you'll see these big posters that have three C words on there, and we, we've asked you guys to, to celebrate, uh, to celebrate Jesus in your life and celebrate that love and grace, and, and hopefully it's made a, a difference in your life and you're able to live a life of, of celebration. Um, we've challenged you to connect, to connect with others and, and, and to find other like-minded believers and to, to walk hand-in-hand hand with them in faith. And we've asked you to contribute, so not only your, your resources, but your, but your time and, and contribute to the, to the body of Christ. And so that's a lot different than just good theology, right? Now, I grew up in church, so I was kind of a, a church kid, and it wasn't because our family was ultra-spiritual, but that's just kind of what American people did like in the 70s and 80s, we just kind of all went to church. And I had like one friend who didn't go to church and I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, what, you know, what's wrong? <laughs> like, why don't you go to church? You know, because that's what everybody used to do. Uh, kind of not so much anymore. But I had this idea, and I don't know where it came from, but that we were kind of told in church and we were kind of taught that to have a right relationship with God it has to be kind of vertical in nature, okay? So, so somewhere... We're down here, wherever down here is, and God is up there somewhere. And so it's a good idea to believe some certain things and maybe to do a couple things to keep this vertical relationship with God intact. Okay, so church attendance. So that was one of the things, you know, so go to church every, every Sunday because um, God keeps, you know, a record of this kind of stuff. And so he's really excited about where you spend an hour every week on Sunday. And uh, so pray, pray during church and maybe pray, you know, like before math quiz and things like that. Um, worship, so open the hymnals and sing songs and try to pretend like you mean it. Um, Bible reading, that's really important, so read the Bible during the week. And then, you know, give some money every now and then. And so basically, if you did these things and kind of believed these things, you are somehow in a connected, right relationship with God. And hopefully, you know, he kind of grades on the curve and you kind of do more good than bad, and he's excited about that. And so it was just this, this very vertical relationship with God, and, and those things are super important. I'm not here to argue that they're, that they're not important, but um, I believe it's kind of like the equivalent of purchasing fitness equipment, right? It's, it's not enough just to purchase that or believe these things, okay, that we actually have to do something about that. So what I want to do is I want to read the passage again that, that Lisa read aloud earlier. So Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19, and it says, therefore, I'm going to stop right there. Um, that word, therefore, this is Bible 101. If you ever see that word, therefore, you should have a little alarm that goes off, like ding, 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 wait a second, what's that therefore, therefore? Okay, so if you ever see therefore, just stop and just go back and read a little bit more, and it will give you a clue as to why the therefore is therefore. Cute, huh? But it's, it's very true, and so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go back a couple chapters, and so we're going to read a couple passages from Hebrews 9 and 10, and just to give us a little bit of context of what the therefore is therefore. So Hebrews 9 Starting in verse 15, the writer of Hebrews says this, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. So that word right there about uh, a will, we all know what a will is, right? Um, do you have a will? 
If you, if you don't have a will, you actually do, because if you don't have a will, the government has one for you. So everyone here has a will. But we all know what a will does and what a will is, right? And so when you die, the last will that's opened up gives instructions to your lawyer and your family, and it says what you need to do with your estate and uh, maybe some instructions on your burial or cremation, things like that, right? And so we all know what the, the will does in our life, and the, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, okay, there's this case of this, of this will, that there is a will that Christ has left us. Okay, aren't you excited to open up this will and see what's in there? And there's another clue, uh, this new covenant that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Um, a covenant is an agreement uh, between God and man. Okay, we don't use that word covenant very often. Sometimes we use it in, in marriage ceremonies, talking about a marriage covenant. Uh, a lot of times we use words like contract or agreement, but uh, really that word covenant is a strong, strong word. And the author of Hebrews is saying that, that Christ is this mediator of this new covenant, this new agreement between God and man. It's a new will. And that word covenant and will and testament are pretty interchangeable. So when you're reading, for instance, the New Testament, what you are actually reading is the last will and testament of Jesus. Okay, you're reading what it's like, this new relationship that you and God have because of that new covenant that he's opened up for us. And so this is the dividing line in human history. So this is kind of how we look at history now. Okay, so way back when, whether you believe it was yesterday or 6,000 years ago or 6 billion, billion, billion years ago, it's not really important right now, but at some point in time, uh, God made this world and he made humans to inhabit it, okay? So there was this creation event and then you can go to the very end of human history to, let's say, Revelation 22, where uh, God makes a new earth and a, and a new heavens, and we're inhabiting that forever. But there's this, there's this linear time frame of human history. And we, this is incredible to me that when Jesus was born, we kind of made that uh, the break in our calendar, right? So there's B.C. and A.D., right? So B.C. is before Christ, right? A.D. is after death, no, that's not true. I'm gonna really impress you with my Latin. Okay, I'm a Latin scholar. It means anno domini. I'm not Latin, that's the only words I knew. I Googled that yesterday. Anno domini, anno means year, and domini is our Lord, okay? So the year of our Lord. So we are in 2019, the year of our Lord. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, even if you don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God or don't believe his claims, your calendar is probably predicated on, on that. You know, so you can't escape the most important person who's ever entered human history. Our calendars are divided into that. But the writer of Hebrews is, is talking about a different dividing line of human history, and so that's what I want to call attention to now. So uh, Jesus' death, that moment in time where he died on the cross for our sins, for our sins, for the whole world, for all sins, for all time, that is the dividing moment in human history. So I kind of think of it this way. It's like B.C. is before the cross, Okay, and A.D. is like an Italian word, after D-cross. Okay, so that's how you can remember that, okay? That this was when the will started, okay? So everything, the old covenant, the old agreement between God and man, that old will was all the way up until Jesus' death, which is really important because when Jesus was here, even though this is in our New Testament, when Jesus, uh, when you can read in him uh, through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is under the old covenant, Okay, this is still the old covenant into effect. And so if you think living for the Ten Commandments is, is tough, just try a couple of Jesus' teachings. Because what he was trying to do is he was trying to bury us 
with his teachings. People that thought they were living in that vertical relationship with God and doing the, the 10 things to keep God happy. And, and Jesus was like, no, you're not. Uh, you need to be as perfect as your heavenly father is perfect as an example. So Jesus was burying people under this, this stringent old covenant between God and man. But that's what's so great about what Hebrews is telling us, is that there's this new covenant, there's this new will into effect. And Hebrews is gonna tell us a little bit more about what that is. So Hebrews 10, verse 11 and 12 says this, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. See the contrast between that a little bit? There's this day after day, there's this religious duty, there's these, these priests who have to offer sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices, um, day of atonement sacrifices, and there was no place to sit in the temple. Uh, I find that very interesting because what I think that signified was that there's always more work to be done. There's always more things that you can do to have a better relationship with God, a more right standing relationship with God, as we are working on that vertical connection with God, there's more things to do and we'll never rest from that. And then the writer of Hebrews contrasts that with what Jesus did. He says, he sat down at the right hand of God. And do you know why he sat down? I think the last three words of Jesus' uh, um, life on the cross when he said, it is finished, gives us a clue. Because the sin issue between you and me and God has been dealt with once and for all. And that's what that new covenant is about, or at least a piece of it, of what it's about. Hebrews 10.14 says, By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is one of my very favorite verses in the entire Bible, that we have been made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so I know that no perfect people are allowed here at Velocity, but um, if you are a perfectionist, um, this is really good news to you because you don't have to strive to be perfect anymore that God looks at you with holy perfection. That word could also mean completeness, you know, that you are complete in Christ. You are perfect in his sight. It has nothing to do with your behavior, obviously, right? It has everything to do with what Christ said about you and what he has done for you and how he has made you into that, that new creation where he looks on you and sees the perfect righteousness of Christ living inside of us, which is really, really cool. And then lastly, Hebrews 10, 17 to 18 says, Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. That phrase, have been forgiven, that's past tense. It's past tense, folks. That's a, an event that happened roughly 2,000 years ago at the cross where that new will, that new covenant went into effect and because of that, God does not remember your sins and your lawless acts anymore. He doesn't remember them. It's not because he can't remember. He, you know, does not remember them anymore as, as an act of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And you have been forgiven. As a Christ follower, you don't get forgiven. Okay? You are forgiven. Do you see the difference? It's a huge difference. And that's one of the great um, that's why I call it the gospel. This is really, really good news, and this might be the best news you've ever heard in your life. Uh, I certainly didn't hear that growing up in, in church. You know, I thought there was something that I had to do to bring about God's favor in my life, and there's not a whole lot of joy, <laughs> not a whole lot of confidence you can have in your relationship with God because you have, you have no idea if, uh, if you're doing enough. How are you ever going to know that? Um, and I'm, 
I think I'm just really personally thankful for this truth. Um, if you knew the person I was, if you knew the things that I have done, if you knew the thoughts that I have, um, you, you wouldn't even let me on the stage. And, um, and you might think, yeah, yeah, sure, church boy. I'm sure what I've done is, is way worse. Well, I, I do the Pepsi challenge with you. But that's not the point. Uh, the point is, I was thinking about this, like, I don't need 33% forgiveness. I've never needed 50% forgiveness. And even on my best days, you know, where I'm just Jesus Jr., I'm just, like, doing all the right things, right? On my very best days, I don't need 99.99999% forgiveness. I've never needed that. I've needed 100% forgiveness and grace in my life, and, and you're the same as well. And I think the implications for all of us on this is that, you know, there is nothing, nothing that you could ever do to make God love you any less. <laughs> nothing. Nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Uh, and similarly, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more. You know, that's, that's amazing truth to think that, that our relationship um, with God is not predicated on our behavior. Uh, so Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. So this is our original passage, right? So therefore, you know what's therefore now, right? So listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. I mean, I love that, that we have confidence in our relationship with God. Did you see anything about our behavior in that passage? You know, just be a good little Christian boy or girl, and then you can have confidence to enter that most holy place. It has nothing to do with that. It talks about that great high priest who has opened the way. He has done everything for us to have that right standing justification by faith. And I love that sentence where it's like, we can draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, right? We're not having faith in how good a life we live or how little we sin. That has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do, that full assurance with faith of everything that Christ has done for us on our behalf. So again, that's, that's really more good news. And so that's the vertical relationship with God we need to have. You know, I wanted to spend some time to just really get that straight, to say if you are in Christ, you are forgiven, you've been made perfect, you are holy in his sight, and you can have confidence and full assurance of faith when you approach God and, um, and knowing that he loves you completely. Uh, but that's probably not the most important thing about our faith. So going on uh, in Hebrews 10, uh, 19 to 25, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. All right, here's the kicker. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when I look through the teachings of Jesus, there's not too much about that vertical relationship with God, but there's a lot about a horizontal relationship with God. That's pretty much all Jesus ever talked about, is about loving one another. 
and loving each other and giving our lives in service to each other. I would go so far as like, that's about the only thing that Christ cares about. You know, not how much you believe the right things, but actually experiencing life together and living in a very horizontal relationship with God and with each other. Um, I could put it like this. If, if you've ever drifted away from God, or at least if you felt like you've drifted away, um, there's probably a good indication that you actually drifted away, not just from God, but from God's people as well. Uh, maybe you just got into a habit of uh, isolating yourself or just trying to do Christianity sort of on your own. Um, we've probably all done that. If, if you abandon community in your life, if you abandon the body of Christ, uh, you'll eventually abandon God. Not that you can walk away from him, because his love is a lot stronger than that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? When we just isolate ourselves from other believers, we have a tendency to forget about God's role in our life. It's just kind of funny how that works. And in community, this is where you, I want to be careful how I say this phrase, uh, this is where you work on your Christianity. Okay, this is where in a horizontal relationship with God, this is where you live out your faith. This is where you experience what faith actually means and where you can have an impact on the world and loving other people and being encouraged by others. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us this, that um, to have a horizontal relationship with God, here's a couple phrases, uh, spur one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So let me ask you this, who is spurring you on in your faith? I hope you have someone who is, you know, you think about like a spur, hopefully it's not like a painful spur, like, you know, kick to the, you know, the midriff section or something like that. But like, you know, there's, we spur each other on. Uh, we need spurring on. I love that, that phrase, that we, we need this in our lives because living um, with faith in this current culture and climate is really, really tough. And we need to spur each other on uh, in love, towards love and good deeds. Uh, we need to not give up meeting together. And the writer of Hebrews says, as some of you are in the habit of doing. Okay, so in Hebrews times, there was some people who were not beating together, and they were just in the habit of not doing so. I've been thinking a lot about habits lately, and habits, let's just talk about bad habits for a second. Bad habits usually start as something kind of good, kind of innocent, kind of fun, and then over a course of time, you're just kind of trapped in a bad habit, and sometimes it's even really hard to, to see. Uh, would you like to know my embarrassing bad habit? Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you my embarrassing bad habit. Oh, this is really embarrassing. Okay, uh, I get up at like 4 in the morning every day. That's not the embarrassing bad habit. That's, that's other issues that I have. But I just really like getting up like super early like my grandpa did. I don't know what he, you know, passed down to me with his bad genes. But I, I just get up at the, I can't even say the crack of dawn because it's really pitch black at 4 in the morning. But my brain is firing and I'm doing some good things. But I got into this habit. I don't know when it started. Um, or how it became a, a bad habit, but the first thing I do in the morning is I like reach over. I mean, my eyes are like barely even open, you know, like getting the sleep out of it, and I'm grabbing my phone, and I'm like opening up social media. And I'm saying, ooh, who liked my post yesterday? Oh, you know, uh, ooh, someone commented. Oh, I got two new followers. Oh, I'm, I'm so important. It's so embarrassing because I have no idea how much time I spend scrolling through stuff. Like the very first thing I do, I, it could be five minutes, it could be half an hour, an hour. I don't know if I'm sitting there in, a, like, in bed for like an hour just like looking at blue light. And I know that's really bad for my circadian rhythms to grab my phone and just like that's stupid. That's a stupid way to, so that, that stops. That stopped five days ago. 
And uh, so what I had to do, this is even more embarrassing, okay, because I knew I would forget to, you know, to turn over a new leaf, so I, I did the, hey Siri, remind me at 4 a.m. every day to not check social media, like some 13-year-old little girl, you know, <laughs> like, but I, I know that I just got in the habit of something that was kind of innocent and kind of fun, and just like I got in the habit of just doing something that I know is not going to benefit me. Uh, throughout the day, that there are certain things that I need to do in my life and in my morning routine to have a great day every day. And checking social media is not it. So I kind of put that off until like 10 a.m. And uh, I've done it for five days, and I would think after about 21 to 50 days, I can delete that reminder because I'll just be in such the habit of not doing that that I won't even have to think about it anymore. And so that's kind of how habits are, are, are like in our lives. And we probably all have examples of that, uh, but the writer of Hebrews says, you know, don't give up meeting together, uh, as some of you are in the habit of doing, and some of you are in the habit of not meeting together. And it started off as probably something innocent, you know, oh, my schedule, man, it's just packed. You know, I don't have any time to devote to a small group for an hour a week. Um, whatever it was, I mean, it was probably, um, your reasoning for it was good, but um, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, encourages us to, to meet together and, and, and start a new habit. If you need to remind yourself with, with Siri or whatever tactic you need to do to remind yourself that meeting with others and having a horizontal relationship is important in your life, then, then find a creative way to do that. Lastly, the writer of Hebrews says to encourage one another. Man, we need encouragement. It's like spurring one, in, one another on. We need encouragement in this life. But I think just as important, you need to give encouragement. Okay, one of your jobs as a Christ follower is to have a radar up and look for people that are discouraged in their life and faith and maybe you can be an encouragement to them. Okay, so encourage one another. Get encouragement from one another. Meet with people. Be in community with each other and these are the things that are gonna make you, make your life better and it's gonna make you better at life. All right, so here's the main reason I came to speak to you today, okay? So this is a great time to grab your, your cell phone, uh, your smartphone, and you're gonna take a picture of the screen. It's also our brand new Wi-Fi password. So if you were not able to get onto the Wi-Fi, now you know why, okay? So here's our brand new Wi-Fi password. Join a small group. <laughs> Everyone take a picture of that because you're gonna forget it. That's gonna be our password probably uh, for the rest of Velocity's history, okay? We believe that this is so important, okay? And not just, I mean, we have all sorts of groups, okay? Let's, let me tell you just about some of the groups that we have. We have groups that meet on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. We have a men's and women's breakfast that meets once a month. We have Sunday morning groups that, that study the Bible and different topics. We have uh, youth groups. We have sort of unofficial groups. Um, I meet with a, a guy and we just, meet every Thursday, we grab coffee, and we just talk about guy stuff. So we got all sorts of groups, and you can go to velocitychurch.info, and you can find a group that meets with your schedule, that, uh, oh, I like these people, I'm gonna meet with them. Uh, there's some geographic areas as well. Um, so we've hopefully made this as easy as possible for you to, to join a small group, okay? Uh, this is so vitally important because this is where we live out our Christian walk. This is where we encourage one another, we give courage to each other, we spur one another, and we need this so desperately. So that's what you know, small groups are. Let me just give you kind of a typical small group evening if you're kind of new to this. It's not weird, it's not some cult, okay? All we do is we get together, we have a meal or a snack, something kind of light, We'll spend some time uh, opening up the Bible and talking about a passage. Maybe we'll talk about Rob's message and uh, if we liked it or not. 
No, we don't do that. We actually just talk about, you know, uh, hey, Rob talked about this, and how does that work? Because obviously when we get here on Sundays, we get inspired, and like, that's really good stuff, but in our small groups, this is where we talk about how to kind of live that out. It's, it's such an important next step in what we talk about here uh, from stage. And then we'll pray for each other. And one of the greatest parts about our small groups is that we, we take prayer requests and we pray for one another, and that's where we encourage one another in this life. And so that's kind of the, the makeup of, of small group. It's so easy. So go to velocitychurch.info. If you didn't bring a smartphone, you can go home and, and do that at a computer. It'll take you about five minutes or less. Yeah, it doesn't even take five minutes, probably 30 seconds. We also have a big old tablet out there in the lobby, and you can go and register for one of those groups. Um, take advantage of this opportunity, okay? Because it's an opportunity for all of us to be connected. We cannot live this Christian life alone. Uh, we'll fail if we do. We need each other. And um, I hope you're motivated and inspired to do that.